Creating your own reality. Is it possible for me? I am Jennifer K. Hill, the Consciousness Architect, and I am here to tell you that it's not only possible, it's closer than you might think. Welcome to the show. Hello, friends, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Regarding Consciousness. I am Jennifer K. Hill. It is my privilege, my honor to get to facilitate these conversations with brilliant thought leaders, authors, scientists, and a wide variety of fabulous human beings from around the world. And today is no different. Today, I actually have an opportunity to share with you a beautiful story from an author who was recently introduced to me by another dear friend, Anya. So shout out to Anya for connecting us. I always <laughs> Love to acknowledge all of the beautiful little synchronicities that bring our guests onto the show. So today we have with us Shanaz Sony. Shanaz is an accomplished aerospace engineer with NASA, no less, as well as an author of Quantum Being and a health and transformational coach, as well as an energy healer and a proud mother. Her story spans several continents and is quite compelling. In fact, I felt compelled myself to have her on the show when we were speaking the other day, a little bit about her journey and going from growing up in Pakistan, being betrothed to somebody, and then now living an incredible life where she gets to make a difference for a lot of people. Shnaz, thank you so much for being here with us today. Jennifer, thank you for giving me this opportunity and thank you for giving me such a Beautiful introduction. I really appreciate being here. I appreciate the fact that we just saw each other yesterday and we showed up for each other today. That's an incredible example of quantum convergence. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's funny. I get emailed often all of these press releases from authors and people around the world who want to join the show. And for me, it's all about energy. I just feel energetically drawn, just like I did to you when I. Oh gosh, when I heard a little bit about your story yesterday, it really moved me to my core. And then I'm going to tear up. When I was reading in the book today, your beautiful book, Quantum Being, about what you went through at seven years old, female genital mutilation. And I have to tell you, I remember being a young woman and reading about that. And my mom, thank God, was very forward thinking and always wanted to make sure my sister and I knew about what was happening in the furthest reaches of the planet. And I don't think I ever knew I would meet somebody who went through that. And I'm so sorry on behalf of all the women out there for what you and so many women have endured. We are coming into this profound time right now of awakening the power of women. And I think it's time that we take back our power. So thank you for sharing your story so beautifully in that book. Yes, thank you. And yes, and I have to mention that the chapter one definitely is really going against the community to even express that. Most of the family members of mine doesn't have any idea that I have authored a book. Only three people out of my hundreds of family have read the book because they were open-minded enough to read it. And it requires a lot of courage to even share something that happened to you because it represents a cult. It represents the organization that's still doing it. So tell us, my God, what a way to start this. I'm sure it's about <laughs> consciousness. And you and I were talking yesterday about what it's like in the quantum aspect. But tell us how you got here. How did you go from being a young woman growing up in Pakistan to a NASA engineer and an author <laughs> and an energy healer? What an amazing combination. Yes, thank you very much. So that is what 
I actually highlight in my book is that the power we seek is the power within. Because, and when we recognize the power, even though at my case, I knew that I was genie in a bottle. Like I felt like I wanted to do so much. Like I was raised on an apartment building, third floor. And every time when I would go into my balcony and look up in the sky, I just wanted to fly and, and be not where I was. Because I wasn't happy because of, as you can see that I was already, my wings were already cut at the age of seven, right? And then I wanted to sing and dance. And I was told that I can't do any of that because that's against the cult again. Then my name that my dad gave me, Shanaz, which is, a, which is the name that is, comes from Iraq, Princess of Iran. And that name wasn't accepted by my by Islamic madrasa teachers. So they would ask me to change my name. So there were all the aspects of me that was questioned. And then I was questioning myself that what kind of life is it when you don't get to feel like you're breathing, feel like you're really doing what you want to do. And so the only way I felt that I could escape that reality was looking up in the sky, right? And looking at the stars and thinking, can I be one of those stars so I don't have to be here? And that quest of kind of just being part of the star ended up leading me to so many different experiences, including watching Star Trek in Karachi, not knowing English. And the funny thing about Star Trek was, I would always tell everybody that in this show, you always look good. You're always wearing amazing outfit. And no matter what happens, you're always alive. All the one in a certain outfit. <laughs> so you didn't need English to decipher that aspect of Star Trek. But in my imagination, I had no idea that one day I'll be, I'll be working in a Star Trek world. Like I'll be part of technology that actually is going to bring Star Trek closer to every one of us. And I think that the main reason I was able to stay on that path to be where I am today is that I always listened to that inner voice. I always did whatever incremental quantum step I could take every day. And I never felt... 100% helpless, even though I felt it, but I didn't let that decide my next step. I wanted to just keep doing whatever tiny step I can do. And yeah, and that's how, that's how we can all show up for ourselves. So let's talk about this for a minute. You went through oppression, things that most of us in first world countries can't fathom what it's like to be betrothed to somebody else, to not have a say in your future. And yet here you became valedictorian of your school. And I loved when you shared the story with me yesterday, I believe it was, about how you made a deal with your parents and you basically said, hey, I'll marry the person you want me to marry. Just let me graduate. Where did you even find the fortitude to be able to have the ability to overcome and to have the courage? How did you pull? Where did you pull from that? Yeah, that's actually a good question. I think it seemed like it was part of my, now the more and more I understand how our DNA is, I actually, and even as a scientist, I can explain that. Maybe we will need another podcast for that. But the thing is that when we're born in a space and time at a, with a certain parents, all of that conversions. If you think about it, it's almost like a, it's like a miracle, right? Having a human coming alive with every single step has to fall into its place. And I'm actually recognizing more and more that there is that a predestined aspect of your information stored in your DNA. It's almost like you have that calling. And of course, we all have that within us. But how much do you honor that? How much do you tune into that? Because people who are not aligned mainly is because or people who are not feeling good 
mainly because they are they need to tap into that information that's within them because we all have that. And to me, I felt like that I always knew that I had this inner voice that was continuously questioning everything. And because of that, it was not an easy life being me <laughs> because it's almost, and I would talk to my aunts and uncles and everybody that I knew who loved me. I would tell them that I don't like this. I think this is wrong. I think we should <laughs> do something about it. And then they would look at me and they would say that just, you're a girl and you're not supposed to talk like that. You're not supposed to think like that. And you will never ever, ever be able to do any of the stuff you are talking about. So you might as well just suck it up, buttercup. And the funny thing is, and I could see why they said that, because I could see their life and I can see that they were, they had their own miserable challenges. They were not even able to escape that. So how are they going to give help to someone if they are themselves in a cage? So I was very aware of all that. And there were times I was very suicidal too, just to be honest. But then I'm extremely logical too. And I would think about the fact that the repercussion, because I really loved my mom. And I felt that if I do anything, then my mom will have to face a lot of challenges. And to me, I just didn't want her to go through that. And because of that, I would say that I don't think I can live. I can handle that, my mom going through that. So then I would talk myself out of it. There were times I made an attempt because we were living on a third floor and I was extremely petite. So my probability of dying was pretty high if I would have fallen off that stool. And so I would evaluate all those conditions. But the other, on the other hand, what I would say is that I always kept that spark alive in my heart, right? There was something in me that believed that I will be a star one day. Because I would, and if anybody would come from far away, if anybody come from America or London in, in our family, I would always sit down and interview them. I would ask them all the questions about the life there. And I would even sometimes throw a question like, tell me, if you know anything about black hole or event horizon, and they would just completely get startled that where does that come from? Because I was just trying to test the boundary. How far can I go with them in the conversation? And so to me, I think that spark. And then the fact that I went to Urdu speaking English school and I wanted to speak English because I knew that's going to be important for my freedom. However, I could not speak English because nobody in my family did. And my parents didn't go to school either. Like they were not even high school past. So for me, the whole quest was always there and it was whatever step I can take. It's beautiful. And I love it because spiritually speaking, many of you who listen to the podcast know that I've studied Kabbalah now for over a decade. And I love one of the Kabbalistic concepts, which you alluded to as well, as far as the circumstances we find ourselves in is Kabbalistically, they would say that our souls choose choose our parents, they choose our circumstances, they choose the country we're born into. And people might be scratching their heads going, I'm not choosing this. Why would I choose to be born in Pakistan and to undergo great hardship or wherever you might be in the hardships you've undergone or to have a father who abandons me or abuses me or whatever the case might be. And yet, if we look at these tragedies, if we look at these hardships that we all endure at some point or another, do they not mold us? Is it not that very pressure that makes the diamond of who we are? And then it's our job to polish that diamond and to refine it and to allow us to shine our lives bright, even though we might come in coated in coal and oppressed by whatever life dealt us. And I love your story so much, Naz, because it's a story of transformation, of a butterfly emerging from a cocoon. <laughs> And so I'd love for you to share a little bit more 
when those darkest moments, as somebody who tried to commit suicide three times myself, when between the ages of 16 and 21, I really resonated that in reading your book. And so how, how did you survive? What was it in those moments? Yes, you used your logic and you thought, okay, I don't want to cause my mother pain. But what were some of the other things that you used from a quantum standpoint, now having all of this wisdom and knowledge that you have, what did you use to be able to break through these barriers that might have crushed you? So first thing I want to say, the kingdom of spirit is embodied in my flesh. And that's the, so that pretty much is what you just said about Kabbalah. It's truly, we are born with all the light that we are, we are supposed to carry right with us in different experiences and different space and time and all of that. It's interesting because one of the things that we use in our engineering world is like whenever we have any challenge, we figure out a way to solve it. Even when the Columbia crash or any of the crashes occurred, like we call it root cause corrective action. And I was using that logically in my own way without realizing it. As I said, we have the information within us. I was always deciphering everything by asking a question, why, why? And I would talk to people whom I always thought were ahead of me or whose life looked more together because I have no problem being vulnerable. That is one of my strengths. And yeah, it can be weakness if you're vulnerable with someone who may exploit you, but that's how you test your boundary. And one of the things I say is that I resuscitate myself by using ICPR and I is pretty much myself, and C is the courage, P is the perseverance, and R is the resilience. Mm -hmm. And those three, when they are together, you can move the mountain. Courage and resilience, it is so beautiful. That is when we are at the precipice of a cliff that seems insurmountable to either climb or jump off. It is that courage of knowing that no matter what, Come hell or high water, some way, somehow, you will scale the cliff, you will climb the cliff, you will surmount the cliff. And I think it's a certain level of determination, just knowing and persevering, as you said, that no matter what happens, there is always a solution. And often, I will say that the things that feel like mountains, like when I look back at the times when I was suicidal when I was younger, I remember being 20 years old and God bless. I don't think I've ever shared this, but it's a funny story. I, My grandfather had a huge heart and he wanted to help me become fiscally responsible. So when I was 16, Shana, he mm -hmm. actually got me a credit card with $200 on it that he <laughs> gave me and I would be able to spend five or $10 a month and then pay it off. So by the time I was 18 years old in the US, they sent me not one, but two $20,000 limit credit cards because my credit was so good after building this up for two wow. years. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was a 18 year old now with $40,000 in, in credit and no idea about my head or my tail or what to do with all of it. So I was treating my friends to dinners, going out to five-star hotels, not realizing how credit worked that it had to be paid back. And so I just remember being so suicidal and crushed wow. because I was 20 years old. I was 40,000 in debt, not from school loans, mind you, but just normal credit card debt. And I remember I went to my dad and I remember exactly where I was and the time of day, it's dusk and I'm out by the pond at my parents' pond in the backyard. And I said, dad, is there any chance, could you loan me $10,000 to get some of my debt down? 
And my dad basically said, no, you got yourself into this mess. You get yourself out of it. And after that, I was crushed. I was so suicidal. And I remember there was one friend I had, a man who was 20 years old, just a friend. We didn't date. We weren't romantic, but we had just become friends. And Mm -hmm. I asked him and I said, John, could you loan me $250 and I'll pay you back with interest? And Janaz, wow. I remember this, that 250 covered the base payments of just to get me through another month of paying the bare minimum of all these credit cards. And John said, of course, Jennifer, we're still friends this day. And he remembers it. And so he did. And he was even more shocked when three months later, I wrote him a check back with interest. And that taught me to be self-reliant, though had my dad not turned me down in that moment, I would have never built and sold a company. And I'm sure the same is true for you. Had your father and your family not belittled you, demeaned you, told you you weren't enough, you might not have gone on to be such a brilliant scientist and author and... 100% in agreement. Because when you get something that's given in a platter or silver platter, right? You don't really appreciate it. When you have to work so hard for it, where you have to almost every day tell yourself that, no, I don't, I'm going to create the reality of my choosing. That requires a lot of work, especially when you have so much resistance. And the fact that in your case, it's like, wow, that that's quite an amount, right? For your age to have to go through that type of pressure. And the fact that your dad denied it, Generally, any child would say that you don't love me enough. That's how my boys would always say if I do anything right <laughs> to make their, to, it's like a tough love, right? But they don't appreciate the tough love. They would say, oh, you don't love me enough. And the good thing about that is that I'm so aware of those blackmailing statements <laughs> that I don't, <laughs> that I just say that I said one day you'll understand me, right? So I just say, it's okay if you don't understand me today. But that is the one thing that I have to say that that perseverance, right? So in my case, like I wanted to speak English and I was a very good, devout Muslim girl. I prayed my five times a day prayer. And in my prayer, I always said that, please Allah, make me speak English fluently one day. (laughs) I did. And I was so persistent about it because, and that is what I want to convey to everyone, that there are times we have dreams that hasn't been manifested in our reality right now, right? I have a dream of a loving life in partnership. And to me, it's okay if it hasn't happened. You know why? Because for me, the fact that I prayed for 21 years to speak English and at the age of 21, I get arranged marriage. I come to LA and now I'm forced to speak English to to survive in a culture. So my prayer came true in a very interesting way. And then I started taking English class in the community and then start speaking English with everyone. It took me five years to get really comfortable with speaking English. But to me, like, I never gave up that one day I will speak English. And the fact that I didn't know if anybody would have, the angel would have come down and shown me a video recording of me speaking English in a small meeting room with five-star general talking about the reliability of a missile. And I'm the only girl in the whole room And on top of that, I'm from Pakistan. Just imagine the chances of me being a spy is pretty high there. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But all in all, I would have said that's impossible because that was my dream to speak English. I didn't imagine that I can even write a book in English. That to me, this 300-page book that I've written on quantum physics is incredible gift. So I feel like we are so miraculous, right? That we can do those kind of things. So it's good that you and I decided to stay in this world 
<laughs> and do what we are born to do. It is so powerful when we realize what a gift it is. I, I've been honored and privileged to get to have built two schools, one in Nepal and one in Senegal in the last five years. And I took it for granted being a woman, a young girl growing up in the United States in Southern California. I hated going to school. I loved learning, but I hated the teachers and the way they were <laughs> teaching. And so I'd be like, no, you can't make me or faking being sick. And yet here I am halfway around the world and what an honor and a privilege. And even you talk about this in the book of how your parents and your family didn't even want you to study. You're a girl. You can't study. And it really is eye-opening. And that's why I think it's so important to have these expansive conversations for consciousness regarding consciousness. Our consciousness is everything. Our consciousness is the lens through which we see the world and observe and make choices in our lives. And I really admire your tenacity and your willingness to have that deep desire. It's so beautiful, Shanaz, when you share that story of what it was like for you and 21 years praying to speak English. And so often what we think we want doesn't come in the package we expect, right? Whether it's a soulmate, a dream house, it often comes in the form of hardship. And in fact, one of my teachers, David Guillaume, was doing a beautiful class on prosperity. And he said, oftentimes, right before a big miracle, prosperity could mean abundance of love, abundance of money, abundance of health, whatever it might be in your world. But right before that magic, that miracle is about to be made manifest, you go through a test and you are tempted to get angry and to become a victim and to blame and judge. It would be so easy for any of us to do that. And yet often miracles are hidden in the most unexpected packages, just like your betrothal to the person in the United States. Yes, like I, I am so grateful for that marriage because even though it seemed to settle with someone for a lifetime after one hour of com communication is a very big gambling of your life, and it was truly a gamble for me. But on the other hand, it opened up the portal for me, right? To go through the wormhole and come to this and to another planet and experience life where now I actually can use the capitalism in my favor and be who I am. And that to me, I have to really say that I'm grateful to be able to come to the United States of America because even when I became a citizen and when they sing a song like Proud to be an American, I really felt it because in my case, personally, I was being said no so many times in Pakistan that being in America actually made me feel like it's the reason I was able to go come as far as I've come today. And I'm grateful for that freedom and freedom. The more freedom you have, the more freedom you seek because there is no, there's no box around it. And that's what it is that now my perspective has changed and I'm seeing the golden cage and I want to help people free us from even that, that looks like freedom, but that is not. Very powerful. And let's talk for a moment about failures. It's easy to talk about successes. Here you are, this brilliant woman, a teacher, a scientist, an author. What is one of your failures and what was the greatest lesson you learned from it? So the good thing about failures is that to me, I don't even use the word failure. You know why? Because it's like you transform that failure into success because failure is actually the bridge to the success. Like to me, for example, my first marriage Technically, and when I learned right after being married that my first husband was in love with someone else, and also I learned that we didn't have enough money to even support, afford my ticket, 
my my dad gave it as a wedding gift. All those realizations when it happened, if you really think it was a quite a failure, like the marriage is a failure if you look at it from any perspective. However, I'm also groomed to be a Muslim girl who once marries, stays married for the rest of her life. And I was in a mission to make that marriage to be my lifetime marriage. And I actually, yeah, I basically created that love around it where I fell in love with him to the point where I actually even remember saying that to him, that if he die, because I believed in heaven and hell, being a Muslim girl, and I said, if he die, I want you to be there in the heaven because I, when I love a person, I love to that extent. And to me, it's interesting, right? When you look at your life, the way you think of a life at that particular point, based on what you think life and death is. And to me, like, so yeah, I really loved my husband and I did everything I could. But after 10 years of being with him and being having two kids, it was very obvious to me that if I don't do something to move forward, then I will, I will die from inside, right? So in a way, there's a failure and then there is that transformation. So to me, the, tr- the failure is technically a trigger for transformation. And the good thing about it is that as soon as you even recognize that it is a failure based on quantum physics, you have changed the properties of the failure. <laughs> Because electrons are continuously moving. And as soon as you double slit experiment proves that, right? As soon as you look at the electron, it starts acting like a particle. And when you don't, it acts like a wave. So that to me is how everything is. So to me, as soon as we even say, oh my God, I feel like this is a failure. Right away, you have changed everything about that failure. And that is the beauty of our incredible self-awareness. And I feel like that we should all look at anything that we don't feel good about. And that to me can be defined as failure. However, as soon as you acknowledge it, you have dissipated it. I totally resonate with that as well. As when I was married as well, and my ex-husband and I were together about 14 years. And Mm. it's funny because like you, I had never thought, never, ever, you know, that statement, never, ever will I get a divorce. We have these (laughs) things we tell ourselves. And I went through this whole process and I look back at my ex-husband and he was the catalyst for me diving into consciousness, for me doing personal development and for the work I teach people around the world now. He was the one when I was in the middle of suicidal ideation, bulimia, drugs, alcohol in my early 20s. He was the one who introduced me to my first personal development work that then catalyzed me into who I am today. And I will always remember on a personal note, a spiritual friend of mine who's a psychic, intuitive, whatever you want to call it. And she said, Jen, Ian has come back in every lifetime to save your life. You made an agreement at a soul level. And I could even remember I did a beautiful past life regression with Brian Weiss once upon a time in Atlanta. And in the regression, my ex-husband was sitting next to me and we come out of it and he says, was I in your regression? I said, we're not going to talk about it. He said, no, I want to know. Was I in your regression? I said, we're not going to talk about it. He said, tell me. I said, I was a man and it was like Israel about 3000 years ago. And you were my son and you saw me stabbed through with a sword. And literally I could see every lifetime and I saw other lifetimes with him and I could see every lifetime. There was another one where he impregnated me when I was a 13 year old girl in Spain and we weren't married. And in that lifetime, I was sent to become a nun. And it was one of the best lifetimes that I recall having. 
And yet in every life, you can just see it almost like dominoes. He saved my life. And I say that because sometimes we have these people who may seem like the villain in our lives, right? Like they did something bad or wrong. Yet if we're able to just shift, just like you said, with the double slit experiment, if we're able to shift our perspective, shift the way we observe the thing, the person, the situation, miracles and wonder can come out of it. Exactly. Exactly. And we have to be grateful for all these teachers that come our way, right? To to make us, like you, you said, diamond, right? So yeah, so basically they are responsible for making us to be shining with this bright light. Yeah, they're the ones who are helping us to polish and to see the light within ourselves. And sometimes it takes some great hardships in order for us to find that beautiful light. As the Kabbalists say, it's like you have a light bulb, right? And yet this light bulb is covered with dark cellophane paper. And there's so much of it that even though we're shining brightly, you can't see the light. And yet every time we do a little bit of personal work, we meditate, we study, we reflect, we're pulling back another layer and then little rays of light begin to shine out until finally we've removed all the darkness and our light can shine fully and we can be the diamond we were always intended to be. Exactly. And I also would give everybody listening who plays video game, by the way, So, and I've played video game as well because it's interesting. It's very good to actually understand why people choose that as one of the channels to dial in. But one of the things in the video game is always that as you become as you collect certain tools or as you collect a certain level, like it's almost like now you have expanded your capacity to hold that amount of light. And then as you're scrolling your mouse and you're moving into forest and you see it gets lit up and you look at yourself in a map and you're all lit in that particular. So it's almost like it's like that, right? So what you explain, the Kabbalistic principle is actually depicted in all the video games because you have to have the capacity to handle the information that is coming based on your, as you're traversing space and time, right? In this fractal trajectory. And when you're doing that, every single step you're taking, your perspective is changing. And because of that, the next step becomes different than the previous step, right? Because now you see all the roots and all the Fibonacci sequence and all the sacred geometry of how beautiful everything, the tapestry opens up. And then you just say, that my God, I live in this infinite world where I can just hop anywhere I want and it will open up another lotus flower for me to experience. Yes, 100%. It's just so beautiful. (laughs) Thank you, Shanas. Thank you for sharing your story, your wisdom, your light with all of us. Do you have any closing thoughts, maybe a piece of wisdom that you'd love to leave our audience with? There's something that you want to re-highlight for everyone from today's episode. Closing thoughts. I would say that the main reason I have written my book, The Quantum Being, which which is a good way to get the all the questions Jennifer you were asking me about. What was the driver? How did I stay persistent? How did I not give up? And how did I face the failure? All of that, we all go through every day, even after going through it, our test keeps coming up because while we are in this world, in this confined body, and we are experiencing consciousness from a very specific point of view. And because of that, we're always going to be learning and evolving, and it's an ongoing journey. And journey is intertwined with the destiny. I would just encourage everyone to know that first of all, all of us have challenges, and all of us have to take a step back, use quantum physics, 
perspective and do something about it. And that is how we can keep finding the tribe. Jennifer, you and I were synchronized in time <laughs> to come here together, right? Because we both did the work to even show up for ourselves. And then we are showing up for each other. So I would say that this is time that we all start creating that conversions. We all show up for ourselves. And then we're going to see all the people who are going to support us, work with us, and build that community mindset. Because I think it's time that we just we just live life with more harmony and peace and having this type of exchange so we can help make ourselves self-aware and others because I'm learning through you and you're learning through me. And I think that's what we came here to do is to keep on doing that. Yes, it is such a beautiful sentiment that we are all here. We are all meant to be together. And in fact, I'll share a little prayer with everyone that I say every day. It's a mantra, prayer, whatever you want to call it. Though I find it helps to draw the right people, your soul tribe, if you want to call it that, towards you. Every day, sometimes multiple times a day, I say, universe, whatever you want to call your source, please remove anything or anyone who is not meant to be in my life and give me the wisdom to know what's happening for my good and draw the right people and resources towards me. And just as we had the synchronistic moment yesterday when we connected, I just said, I don't know how or why. I just think we're meant to have you on the show. And I just trusted and went with it. And this beautiful conversation came out of it. That's what's possible when we just trust, when we put all of our trust that things are always happening for our highest and best good, even if it seems painful, even if we can't imagine how we're going to get out of this dark corner we're in. There is a rhyme, there is a reason, there is a way, and there is the strength to get through anything. Shanaz, please tell our audience, where can they find your book? Where can they find more information on your coaching and your services? Okay. So my book, actually, The Quantum Being is on Amazon.com. And you just have to type The Quantum Being. You can also find my book and everything else on my website, which is basically my first name and last name together. So it's shanazsoni.com. S-H-E-H-N-A-Z-S-O-N-I.com. And I really am grateful, Jennifer, for this opportunity to have this expanded consciousness conversation. <laughs> oh, me too, my friend. I'm so grateful that the universe brought us together. And for any of you out there looking for coaches or healers, we do have a wonderful website called om-heals.com. Again, that's om-heals.com with over 100 practitioners from around the world. That's powered by our OptiMatch algorithm, a proprietary algorithm we created to match the right practitioner with the right user. And we're so grateful that we're able to continue to support all the people around the world with our own health and well-being. So we encourage you to go out there, expand your consciousness, and to embrace the quantum being that you are. Namaste. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today for another episode of Regarding Consciousness with Jennifer K. Hill. We would love it if you would take a moment and write a review for us or rate us on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. And if you'd like to stay in touch and find out about upcoming events with some of the amazing guests we've had on the show like Deepak Chopra 
and other world thought leaders, feel free to join my email list at metabizics, M-E-T-A-B-I-Z-I-C-S dot com. Again, that's metabizics.com. And you can go ahead and join our email list there. Thanks so much. And we look forward to having you join us next week.